Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. We've got our last preview show of the 2023 season for you guys today. But like most of the preview shows uh, recently, no previewing of the game will actually be taking place. Instead, I will have an interview with Mark Zeno, um, who you can hear kind of all over the place, but in Atlanta on 92.9 The Game. He has a lot of opinions. He's one of my favorite people to talk to about the sport, about the Falcons, because he just is not afraid to tell you exactly what he thinks. And he's very good, I think, at backing it up. And so we have a a pretty intense, I think, conversation about Arthur Smith, the future, the direction, where the Falcons should go, where they are going, and kind of what went wrong um, this past season. So That is really going to be the kind of back half of today's episode. It's a lot of fun. Um, Unfortunately, for time constraints, it's not as long as some of the usual interviews uh, that I do on Thursdays. So it is still definitely worth it. Um, Before we get to Mark, I'm going to kind of touch on, you know, some of the latest Pro Bowl news that just broke uh, as I was about to hit record. You guys will probably know it by the time you listen to this on Thursday morning, um, but going to touch on that anyway. And then I want to just share my top five Falcons players of the season. I know we have one game left, but one game is not really going to make or break my list. So I just felt like it was the right time to kind of go ahead and start sharing some of the season wrap-up content uh, that we will probably be bringing to you a little bit over the coming month, you know, barring any backdoor entries into the playoffs. Um, But I'll have a little bit more on what the plan is for the show moving forward at the uh, tail end of the podcast. So again, stay tuned for that. We are going to get into today's episode, but first... With the NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the seconds odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and the mobile app, you can access the world's best wagering information at any time. So head there today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so just before I hit record uh, on tonight's episode, I got an email from the uh, Falcons comm staff letting us know that Chris Lindstrom and Jesse Bates have been named to the 2024 Pro Bowl. So congratulations to the two of them. Chris Lindstrom obviously makes it for the second year in a row. He becomes the first Falcon since Alex Mack did that. uh, So not that long ago. And then Jesse Bates uh, becomes the first Falcon safety since Keanu Neal to make to the Pro Bowl. And really, I mean, Chris uh, got in because he wasn't in the top 10 of the fan vote. So I have to imagine it's, it's kind of the respect of the players and the coaches who make up the other two-thirds of the um, Pro Bowl voting. I have to imagine that they just have a lot of respect for the way Chris Lindstrom plays the game, the durability that he's had, just really how good he is in just every kind of aspect of offensive line play. So I know that the Falcons' offensive line was 
you know, not as frankly as good. Just we can be candid about that. There's no need for me to like sugarcoat any of that. Yeah, they weren't as good this year. But if you did watch some individual play and there were some games, particularly in like the early middle part of the season where I thought Chris uh, was also struggling a little bit, but by and large all season long, he has been really steady against some very good defensive lines. I thought he started the year pretty well. So I am not shocked to see him. And I think he is a worthy pro bowl candidate, but Jesse Bates, I mean, clear, clear candidate for the pro bowl. He was, I believe I saw the number one um, vote getter for the NFC safeties, which is huge. Um, And obviously with guys like Antoine Winfield playing at a very, very high level this year, um, Kyle Hamilton, I know he's in the AFC, but it is a big year for safeties. And and I think, you know, Jesse Bates has a legitimate all pro um, candidacy and argument. I, I don't know if he's going to get it because again, I just think you look at some of the safety play around the league. And I know there are some guys that I'm totally leaving out. Like Javon Holland is, is amazing in his own right. And every which way you look, it seems like, uh, like some teams have just phenomenal dudes back there, but the Falcons have not had somebody quite like Jesse Bates in a really long time. I mean, he's almost like a blend of Thomas Deku and Ricardo Allen and DeMonte Casey. Like it's, it's just a mix of cerebral um, smarts, communication, leadership. But then also when the dude needs to get on his horse and make a play like he did against Derek Carr uh, in the Saints win when he took it to the house, like he read that beautifully, but then also made that jump in the blink of an eye. And it was not an easy, easy jump for him to make. I mean, he pretty much came from his middle field spot in a cover one to jump a slant route. So I just what he's done game in and game out. I mean, single handedly, he's kind of won the Falcons two games, that Saints game that I mentioned. And then really in week one with his uh, pair of interceptions, just kind of swung that game in the Falcons favor. So Congratulations to Jesse Bates on making it to the Pro Bowl. Uh, congratulations to Chris Lindstrom on making it to the Pro Bowl. Uh, those are, I think, well, well-deserved recognitions. And I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, there were a couple of, of other guys. We saw Young Way Koo was um, listed as an alternate. Bajan Robinson listed as an alternate. Drew Dahlman was, I think, a fifth alternate, um, which I was a little surprised to see. And uh, there's somebody else that I'm, I'm missing, but... I'm sure you guys can can look that up. I wouldn't be shocked if if any of these alternates get in. I mean, that generally is what happens with the Pro Bowl. Nowadays, it feels like the sixth best guy is the one who ends up actually starting at quarterback uh, when all is said and done. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see a few more Falcons players make the cut. But in honor of you know the NFL kind of selecting their best players uh, of the season, I figured I would unroll my top five Falcons for 2023. So ironically, Chris Lindstrom didn't make the cut. He probably was my sixth, uh, my sixth person that I would have listed. And this is totally a subjective personal top five. I didn't put a ton of research and effort into it, but I've watched every single game. I've been at every home game. Like I I think I've got a pretty good read on again. Maybe this is not well clearly defined in my own brain. Is it like these were the best players Is it the most impactful players? Is it the guys that I just enjoyed watching the most? There's probably a little bit of all of that in here. So without further ado, number five on my list 
is Caden Ellis. And I think a lot of people would maybe say Nate Landman has been more of a fan favorite, maybe more of a, certainly more of a surprise. But I, I just kind of feel like all season long, Caden Ellis has been more of a glue guy than we probably give him credit for. And you see some of his highlight plays at the linebacker position. I mean, they're as good as, as like anybody in that TJ Edwards, who the, the Falcons just saw in Chicago, who I highly regard <laughs> the linebacker position for his ability to kind of knife into the backfield. Caden Ellis does that once or twice a game kind of to the point where it, it's like a two yard loss on a play that should never usually be a two yard loss unless the linebacker reads it perfectly and then slips a block. And Caden Ellis just kind of did that a, a ton this year. He's fifth on the team in total pressures, which again, for a linebacker, like you look at who he's around and it's all the defensive linemen, right? So Caden Ellis has been a pretty solid pass rusher. He's got four sacks on the season. He leads the team with 11 tackles for a loss and he is second on the team with 119 tackles. So, you know, there there may be some some lack of, of coverage skills that the very, very best linebackers in the league have, but you got him here as kind of an experiment, uh, as kind of a, hey, like, this, there's potentially a lot of reward here and maybe not a ton of risk. But right now, like he looks like you can pencil him in for your starting linebacker position for at least the foreseeable future. And I thought he played really, really well this year. So, uh, you know, probably not everybody would have him in their top five, but I have just been impressed with his consistency um, for a unit that has been defined kind of by its consistency as much as the offense has been inconsistent. Um, so number four, and this is the only player that I have uh, on the offensive side of the ball. It's not Bajan Robinson. It's Drake London. Um, I think that Drake London has far and away been kind of the best player. I think his highest highs have been higher than anybody else's, uh, maybe short of Bajan's, but I think it's debatable. And I think his floor, you know, barring the Falcons just not throwing the ball his way, he catches the balls that are that are thrown to him. He makes plays after the catch. He is reliable as a downfield target and a short area target. Like there's really not anything that I can quibble with uh, regarding Jake Drake London's uh, play this year, except for the fact that the Falcons just haven't gotten him the ball more. And that's not his fault. So as I was kind of looking for anybody on the offense really to put into a top five, and that's not a slight so much as it is just how imbalanced and how good the defense has been. Um, but I really did feel like Drake London, if I was going to pick any offensive player, it's probably the right pick to put in this top five. I probably could have put Chris Lindstrom in here, but you know, I, I just think that again, pleasure to watch. Like Drake London has made some incredible catches this year. He has made some really, really fun plays just to watch, just aesthetically pleasing place. He is uh, currently 23rd uh, in PFF's grading for wide receivers. He is sandwiched between DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. His 17 contested catches this year are the most in the NFL. On the season, he's got 65 catches for 864 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and he, this past game, had 134 career receptions and he became the first Falcon uh, to do that in his first two seasons. So he already holds that record. You know, I know he's climbing for uh, several more, 
So yeah, Drake London has had uh, an exceptional season. Again, I just think they need to get him the ball a little bit more. But in a year where Mike Evans has kind of like emerged and reemerged and everybody's been talking about him, like Drake London is that type of player. Michael Pittman, that type of player. Like I think he is capable of very big things moving forward. So I, I think he had a nice year. Um, my third player is David Onyemata, another newcomer from the New Orleans Saints. And really my two and three could be flipped and you'll see, you know, kind of why here in one second. But ultimately because David Onyemata missed a little bit of time, like that's probably why I've, I have him third. But still in 13 games, four sacks, uh, 47 tackles, five tackles for a loss, two forced fumbles um, and three passes defensed. He's. 11th um, in PFF grade among defensive interior linemen. I mean, he's sixth in run defense. So I think, you know, we know what kind of pass rusher he can be. And it's a real shame that Grady Jarrett wasn't kind of around for longer to see what they could do together. Uh, and really, once they started finding their stride, but he just can collapse the pocket really well. He's 18th in pass rush win rate. But as I mentioned, the sixth in run defense. I, I don't think he gets enough credit in that aspect of his game. And he is a big reason why Atlanta's run defense. I know it hasn't been great lately, but that's because David Onyemata has not been in the lineup. So he really kind of did a, a good job there in kind of not single-handedly, but doing a lot of the work to allow the pass rush and some of these more pass rush centric defensive ends that Atlanta has had kind of allowed them to, to make up for a little bit. But the second player on this list has also been an incredible run defender from the defensive end position, a newcomer as well. It's Clayus Campbell. So that's why I wanted to kind of talk about David Onyeman and Clayus Campbell together because they are anchoring this run defense for Atlanta. Now that that's just with kind of the first level guys. I, I don't mean to, Disparage Naomi Lamon, Caden Ellis, Jesse Bates, all of who play a huge role in Atlanta's run defense as well. But, you know, Calais Campbell is just doing such a good job as a, a run defender this year. And overall, he's 22nd in PFF grade. But again, that's just kind of buoyed by his, his ability. It's setting the edge. He's got eight tackles for a loss, five and a half sacks, 51 tackles. Um, he's crucially the only Falcons player to record a pressure in every single game this season. So I think that even at his age, that just speaks to the level of consistency that he has. And he and David Onyemata, and, and to a lesser extent, Caden Ellis, but certainly uh, to a greater extent, my first player on this list, there's just kind of a level of consistency with their play. And it's just made me kind of realize like with the great players, that's what sets them apart. It's just the consistency. It's that they bring it every single game. And sometimes, yeah, all the guys around you aren't playing well, kind of the way the Falcons defense wasn't against Chicago. But you know who was playing awesome in that game? Calais Campbell. He had six pressures. He's playing his best football at this time of year, at his age. That tells you that this man knows how to kind of prep his body, how to condition and pace himself to be playing his best ball when it is most meaningful. And it's kind of why my heart breaks that this year didn't go the way it should have. It's for a player like Calais Campbell, who again, like that, he would be such a huge asset to the Falcons right now if they were kind of gearing up for a playoff run. If you could get a player like Calais Campbell hot in the playoffs, I mean, you're talking about somebody who could have four sacks over a couple of 
a few playoff games, right? And sometimes it's a player like that who does kind of flip things for a, a team and lets them get red hot. So again, I, I could have maybe had David Onyemata second because I think he's probably been the better player if I'm strictly looking at like the most talented, impactful player. But I just think Calais Campbell, kind of how he's been in the locker room, the type of leader he's been, just honestly the the joy it's been to kind of watch him, especially lately. He gets the uh, number two spot here. And number one, no surprise, Jesse Bates. Uh, I already talked a little bit about him, but let me run through his numbers officially. Uh, 128 tackles leads the team, six interceptions, third in the NFL, 11 passes defensed. He is PFF's top graded safety. Um, His missed tackle percentage of 7.1% is eighth best in the league. So again, he just, he doesn't miss. He's reliable. Yeah, even against he is as much uh, a part of the reason that the Falcons just only to Jonathan Taylor against the Colts allowed their first rushing touchdown to a running back like that. That stat will forever blow my mind. It was week 16 and the Falcons finally allowed a rushing touchdown to the person whose job it is to score rushing touchdowns. That's crazy. Jesse Bates had as much to do with that as anybody on this team and his reliability as a run defender, his frankly kind of command of the middle of the field, which is where teams are trying to throw the football now in kind of the modern NFL. All of that is just, it makes him kind of the perfect package at safety. He's in the prime of his career. I loved the Falcons uh, when they, I loved this move when the Falcons made it. And I mean, it's turned out even better than I could have ever expected. And again, that was somebody who, while everybody was like, eh, do they need to make him among the highest paid safeties in the NFL? Like, is that a little rich for what the, I kind of was saying, you're getting an amazing all pro caliber player and he has played like it this year. I just, I didn't expect it to frankly be this good. So Jesse Bates, the best player, uh, for the Falcons, in my opinion, this season. Although, like, I don't really think that's disputable. Um, so, yeah, probably some guys that I left off the list. Youngway Koo could have could have probably put him in there, even though he's been slumping a little bit lately. D. Alford has been a lot of fun to watch, but he's had a, a few hiccups. Bajan probably does uh, deserve maybe mention as as right behind Chris Lindstrom is probably like my seventh guy out. So, yeah, there's no shortage of of kind of fun players on this team. It's just, that's maybe why it's so frustrating. It has not all coalesced. And ultimately, the, the sum of the individual parts has not really been greater than kind of the way we perceive the collective talent, which is why a lot of people are pointing the finger at Arthur Smith. So that's what we're going to get into right now with Mark Zeno. Here we go. Really excited to be joined now by Mark Zinno. You can listen to him here in Atlanta on 92.9 The Game. You can also hear him as the host of the Hazard Ground podcast and as a great betting analyst uh, for SportsGrid, among many other places. Mark, thank you so much for uh, joining me today, man. How are you doing? Well, always a pleasure. Happy New Year to you. I know you're excited about this. I don't know if your audience will be by the time this is over, but uh, we'll give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. No, I cannot wait to uh, dig into the conversation today because, I mean, really, at this point in the season, yeah, the Falcons are still kind of alive for the playoffs, but like 
do we really feel like this is a playoff team? No. So even if they somehow manage to like sneak in the back door, the questions about Arthur Smith and the future of this organization will remain. So where do you stand on that topic and, and Arthur Smith and whether or not he deserves to be here for, you know, another season? I'll continue to be a man on an island here. He absolutely deserves to be here for another year. Firing him would be an absolute mistake by this franchise and hitting a reset button. Look, I mean, I, I don't like how Falcons fans have moved the goalposts on this season, right? Well, we thought this team was going to be somewhere between an 8 and 10 win team all season long. We thought that in August. We thought that in September, right? I don't know when it moved to them automatically have to make the playoffs this year in order for it to be considered successful and have to have 10 wins. But that was never the reality. And walking into this season, if you objectively knew anything, you knew that going with Desmond Ritter was going to be a complete crapshoot because four games was not enough to tell you anything. We knew all those things. Now, the idea that because the NFC South is so bad that the Falcons should have been better is flawed logic, right? Because every other car in the race turned out to be slow doesn't mean your car gets faster. Your car right. goes as fast as it goes. That's just the reality of what it is. So don't move the goalposts on that. Like, I think people are looking at the wrong comp here. If you want a real comp for the Atlanta Falcons and what comparatively could have been, you need to look at the Houston Texans, who were generally regarded mm -hmm. by most people as probably going to be a bottom 10, if not bottom five team in the league this year. What happened? They drafted C.J. Stroud. Hey, turns out that kid's pretty good. You know what happens when you have a decent quarterback and an above-average quarterback? You win more than you lose. Do, I mean, do we believe that D'Amico Ryans is infinitely a better coach than Arthur Smith, and he's infinitely a better coach than a lot of other teams, than Dennis Allen, than, than Todd Bowles? Is he a better coach? I don't know the answer to that. What I do know, he's had a better quarterback <laughs> than all of those yeah. teams and have played better when he's been healthy all year long, so they've won more games. Like, that's the comp. The Houston Texans are in line to win that division because of their quarterback, not because of their head coach. The Falcons are in line where they are to not make the playoffs because of their quarterback play, not because of their coach. Like, if you want to sit here and nitpick about certain things about Arthur Smith, I'm here for the conversation. I absolutely will say the red zone is on him, needs to get fixed. Sometimes he outthinks himself. No reason to run this, you know, sweep thing all the way outside. Just go three yards straight ahead and get a touchdown. Like, let's not overthink this. That, that I will have the, the conversation about the coach. But we've done this thing where we've conflated so many things together as a problem all in one year. You know this, Will. You and I talked about it a couple of years ago. I think Kyle Pitts at four was an abhorrent mistake by this franchise. It was a wrong pick. It was a bad idea. And I said it then and I'll say it now. Tight ends don't change franchises. They don't change offenses. And if they do, you get them in the second and third round. That's just where it goes. So that is one thing philosophically that the Falcons whiffed on. But somehow that all of a sudden turned into Arthur Smith's problem. Right? Like, all of a sudden, it's only him. He's the only guy because he hasn't figured out, quote, how to use him. No, that's not it. Guess what? The guy's not that good. And you know what else you realize? I can't put him on the field all three downs because he can't block. Okay? So, I mean, every time he's on the field, he's out there to go off for a pass. Well, that's kind of a tell. Right? The reason why Gronk and Kelsey and Kittle are so good is because they can block. Yeah. So, they can be on the field every single play. So, you never know whether they're going to stay in a block or going to go out. I, I mean, it just, it, it just is what it is. So... Again, it's stuff like that that we're putting on, putting at the feet of Arthur Smith to me that's, I don't understand why uh, it's all his fault. Organizationally, this team agreed on Kyle Pitts. Organizationally, this team agreed on Desmond Ritter. Organizationally, this team agreed not to take a high-level quarterback or invest in one in the offseason. And oh, by the way, let's hit that rewind button. Tell me who was available 
to go get this offseason. Oh, that's right, Lamar Jackson. Well, we knew from the very jump that the Falcons were in on it. Why? Because the owner told everybody he wasn't in on it. <laughs> the coach didn't say that. The GM didn't say it. The owner said that. But yet somehow, them not getting a quarterback is on Arthur Smith. I, 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 I don't understand why Falcons fans do this thing where um, we have to continue to put this, this massive amount of blame on one person when organizationally there have been flaws along the way. And again, if you want to have that conversation organizationally, the mistakes they've made, I think it's fair. I think you can absolutely do it. But in a vacuum, the 2023 season is not a failure, right? And somebody said to me today on Twitter, they're actually further away from winning a Super Bowl than before they hired them. I well, that's just false and a joke. They have a top 12 defense, if not top 10 defense. And they got that because of Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot. So I don't yeah. want, I mean, like, again, that's just the emotion that comes into this whole thing that drives me bananas. Like, what do you, do you even know what you're watching or are you just an emotional basket case seven days a week between Falcons games that I can't put together? So <laughs> in short, firing Arthur Smith and hitting a reset button is going to make you the Cleveland Browns prior to Kevin Stefanski more than anything else. That's all it's going to do. Because until you fix the quarterback situation, guess what? You're going to continue to struggle. Now, if you want to have a conversation about what quarterback to get next year, Absolutely can have that conversation. I, I think it's fair. And I think the Falcons have, know they have to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. They've told you exactly everything you need to know. And oh, by the way, the people who were calling for Taylor Heineke, like back in week seven, guess what? He still stinks too. <laughs> okay? Which yeah. is what I told you back then. He's not any better than Desmond Ritter. You have two below average quarterbacks, period. Arthur Smith yeah. didn't make them any better, but he certainly didn't make them any worse. And so go ahead. That Well, that's where I, I think, and that was great. I First off, you're not completely on an island at least on this podcast we are uh, of like mind on this and we've talked about this before like there there's just so much that goes into being a head coach and so much that's out of your control but the things that are in arthur smith's control i think by and large like everybody who is around it agrees that like he's doing a good job with those things the locker room chemistry the just level of overall football intelligence on some of the key spots on this roster the makeup of some of these position groups and the rooms especially i just think the guy kind of understands football culture and understands a way to establish that and that to me is very valuable in a coach and you figure out the like key elements around it at certain positions and to me the mistake is is like Houston Houston realized, hey, without a quarterback, like we need to go invest immediately and just go get somebody that can have a high ceiling in this league and is young and just take a shot right away. The Falcons, I feel like partially because of the financial situation they inherited, partially because they had Matt Ryan, and then it seemed like their, you know, succession plan kind of really got messed up there with the Deshaun Watson of it all. So I do get that they've been in a, a weird spot, but the Lions are another obvious comp to Atlanta, but they had Jared Goff. They went and traded for an established guy. The Falcons have kind of tried to, to make the quarterback well, the, the part that they haven't invested in. They've gone and gotten Kyle Pitts, to your point. They went and took Bajan, and it's like... Go look at Carolina, Will. Go look yeah. at Carolina. They drafted a quarterback number one. They have no running back. They have no wide receivers. They have no offensive line. How good is that offense? It sucks. But the Falcons were it's in a different cool. spot. They, they at were, least had some guys. My point is, is that, yes, you can go Greg, get the quarterback first. And unless you get a C.J. Stroud, guess what? You're going to struggle. Because mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud does so many things on his own that other right. quarterbacks just can't do. If you get a Bryce Young and he has no help around him, you're still going to sink. Yeah, so the fact I agree. Say, Trevor Lawrence, even, right, immediately, exactly. right? They build up around him 
And the Falcons couldn't afford to build up around him because of the financial limitations. Exactly. So I, I, I kind of get that they, but to me, that's, that's the part that I think Falcons fans have lost the thread on a little bit is the last two years are being lumped in together with this year as just another in seven yep. and 10 season. That's not yep. the case. Those first two years, he's almost being punished for overachieving. I feel like, well, because you look right. at seven and 10 and you're like, that's mediocre. And it's like, well, he could have been three and 14, right? Like the Falcons, I think have done a good job. So to me, like he just gets a little bit more of a pass this year because of the quarterback position being so egregiously turnover prone, just kind of operationally. Thing. So, yeah. Go back to the Dan Quinn days. Okay. Dan Quinn clearly couldn't manage a game and coach the team at the same time. I have never seen that once from Arthur Smith. He is not in over his head from a coaching perspective, especially in game. In fact, I think I think a lot of people would push back though and say there have been a number <laughs> of occasions where after a, a you know spiking the ball, then they call a timeout, right? To use a recent example, like right. some of those right. occasions using timeouts early in like the third quarter, it seems like he does. But but I agree with with your point. So sorry to, to interrupt you there. No, no, I just no. wanted to kind of bring again, up some so that didn't cost them a game. Right. right. So like it's annoying, but that wasn't the reason they lost that. In fact, they won the game. So it doesn't matter. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, we're not seeing his coaching or his in-game coaching cost the team games. I have never seen a fan base abdicate players from their responsibility mm -hmm. quite like the Falcons have this year. All of a sudden, like uh, uh, Desmond Ritter can't hang on to the ball. Well, it's Arthur Smith's fault for playing him. Well, who the hell else was the option? Guess what? Taylor Heineke can't hold on to the ball either. He threw three picks last weekend. I, they, he calls a perfectly designed play, and Bijan Robinson drops the ball on a snap. <laughs> like, I don't understand how that's the coach's fault. They couldn't get Josh Dobbs down. They couldn't get Kyler Murray down. How is that the coach's fault? I, I, I mean, like, this whole fan base has abdicated every player's responsibility to be the player and make a play in the moment, right? And all of a sudden, it's on the coach's fault. I, I just, I, it makes no sense to me whatsoever that, that no single player has to have any responsibility on the offensive side of the ball except for the head coach. I, I mean, just watch the games unfold and watch what goes on and tell mm -hmm. me that, oh my God, that was a bad play call. Like the Desmond Ritter pick, we want to say it was a bad play call, the one against Carolina in the rain. It was a bad play <laughs> call. No, it was just a stupid no. play by yeah. the quarterback. Like it was actually designed for him to have multiple options to take care of the football. Throw it out of the back of the end zone, tuck and run. And he did neither. But yet it's on the coach. Well, I, I and you want to, I mean, to to just bring this whole point full circle, one of those plays, the specific play I brought up earlier, where they spiked the ball against Tampa and then ultimately end up calling that timeout. And the I asked Arthur Smith about that afterwards, and he basically said there were two options on that, on what was going to be the play roll out it's either there and you hit it low and right out of bounds and we just pick up five yards or you throw it out of bounds and then they ultimately ended up just calling the timeout and said it's not worth it we're not even going to run that play because you yeah. saw what happened against carolina so definitely yeah those are the moments where it's just kind of not worth it or it was against india i don't think i said uh tampa but against india i do want to ask you though about the so the quarterback position right because where you're sitting here talking about how fans tend to abdicate the players when it comes to the execution part of it all, right? And you kind of just look at the man who, his name's on the on the building, he's in charge of it all, it's Arthur Smith's fault, make him fix it. But the players, 
are really the ones. And if you ask any former player, any current player, like they got to execute, they got to go actually do what they're supposed to do. Quarterback position first and foremost has to do that. So I think we all are in agreement that that is the clear number one offseason need. Where do you stand on how the Falcons should go about addressing that need? Well, Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot have to sit down in a room and figure out uh, and, and clearly turn around and say, look, I got 17 games to save my job. Now, do I want to do that with a rookie quarterback or do I want to do that with a free agent guy who's available and who knows who's going to be available? I mean, you know, Russell Wilson is a name that keeps getting thrown about, but, you know, uh, I mean, right now we're heading into week 18, Will. Half the league is starting guys who will be out of a job in six days. Yeah, They're not going to be NFL quarterbacks anymore, at least not starting NFL quarterbacks. So there is plenty of quarterback need to go around. I mean, I would say this much. Um, from a point of saving your job, right, if you're Arthur Smith, you probably want to go with the veteran because there's probably less variance there. However, if you end up moving heaven and earth to get inside the top five, which at this point the organization should not be against, given where they are, what they have in cap space and everything else, draft capital be damned. I don't need it. I'll take the Rams sort yeah. of, and the Rams are made, have made the playoffs for everybody who chided them for giving away all their draft picks. Guess what? They're back in the playoffs again. Mm-hmm. So it's not impossible. So you can take your future first round picks and stick them where the sun don't shine. I don't care about that. Right. And I don't think GMs care about picks two years down the road or a year down the road. They care about winning now. Right. Like they, it's the NFL has changed. What am I worried about right now? I'll worry about next off season, next off season. So from that standpoint and from everything I've been told, Michael Penix is the guy that Arthur Smith is in love with more than any of the other guys. Move into the top five and get him. And, and it doesn't matter whether you win the last game or not. It does. Like, I'll say this much. Making the playoffs actually kind of hurts if you want a top quarterback, right? Because you automatically move to 20th. Yeah. Right? As yeah, it's a huge to, swing. <laughs> if you win the game and you're 14th, right? Right. Uh, you're still manageable to get up 10 picks. Regardless, they're mortgaging two first-round picks in the future to go get the guy now. Just that's the reality of the whole thing. So um, if they feel like, you know, th- he can do it in one off season in a short amount of time and get a rookie quarterback in there and it's going to work, it, you know, it, he's got a job for the next three or four years easily. Mm-hmm. But you take a Russell Wilson and you bring him in here and you're only average and you're nine and eight and you miss the playoffs by a game. Guess what? <laughs> You might have yeah. sealed it. At that point in time, you know, look, I have been a staunch defender of Arthur Smith more than pretty much anybody in this marketplace, much to Falcons fans' chagrin and my Twitter mentions. Um, that said, you know, after next year, I, they, I don't have a choice but to change the tune. Unless there's a there's a, there's a a 10 and 7 playoff, you know, win the division type season, Yeah, he's going to have a lot to answer for. And I'm not sure you can defend it much more beyond this. Um you know, again, we, we can we can go back and hit the rewind button and sort of say we could have done things differently because if I was Arthur Smith, I would have never taken the job with Matt Ryan under center. Like I just wouldn't, I would have never done it. I, I want my own quarterback. If, if I got three years to do this. I want my own guy in here, period. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm not going to waste a year. Um, I'd rather be in cap hell with a rookie than in cap hell with a veteran. Um, so anyway, uh, I say, let's say, I, I think probably the better long-term route, obviously, is to go get a rookie that you hope hits, but... If you're Arthur Smith and you want to save your job, you may need the veteran guy out there. Now, after Russell, I don't really know who's going to be out there and who's going to be available. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, cousin's the, the name that's out there, but you're going to pay out the nose for him. 
Yeah. So, and to your point, it like there at this point, there's going to be so many names that we don't know currently that are just going to be available because there is going to be so much turnover. And if there's as much coaching turnover as frankly, people expect in the league, like that's going to lead to some quarterbacks who probably right now you would say you wouldn't expect to be on the market. Maybe they become available. So there is a lot to go, you know, or that could change moving forward. But I do think, I don't know, given what we've seen previously, especially last year, if the Falcons, like if, if Arthur Smith loves Michael Penix, I wouldn't bet against his ability to craft an offense around a player in year one that really supports that player what they can do instead of kind of asking them to do what they can't do and that's what i do think separates the good coaches from the bad in this league is they really do play up certainly like their young players strengths and that was a little bit of an area where i think with Bajan robinson they kind of didn't necessarily get it completely right this year and and i do look to see what they can do with him moving forward because i think there's an aspect of his game that really hasn't been unlocked yet. So, yeah. you know, again, I I think we both agree in what Arthur Smith, like his vision and what he wants his team to be. We just haven't really seen it enough to have much of an argument for that specific part of things. And I agree as as well. Like, we're not just here saying that we like Arthur Smith because like he's paying us on the side. <laughs> like we we're saying it because we believe in in what we're seeing. But another year of this. And then we're going to have to kind of change our tune. <laughs> so people get, people get mad at me because I say the process over results. Like you don't get 400 yards in eight games this year, seven or eight games, right. whatever it is, by just being lucky, right? Like the, the, the Panthers don't have 400 yards in eight games. You know, the, 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 yeah. the Bengals don't even have 400 yards in eight games of offense. Like, you know, it, it, you, you don't get there without something working and you can't get points without yards. That's why that matters, folks. Yep. Right. It's what it's what. And this is my specialty is what odds makers use to determine how good a team is yards per play and yards per point, because you can't get points without yards. You have to move the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. Even if you get big chunks, or little chunks, those yards all count the same. So yes, the red zone again will be a problem needs to get fixed. That's on the coach. I'm not going to argue that, but you know, the fact that this team and the offense at times with a very below average quarterback from a non power five school that they took a flyer on. Remember it was just a flyer. There was nothing more than that. It was a chance yeah, that it might work out. It didn't work out. Well, guess what? Now, now, now you're struggling to get to 500 or, or uh, nine, eight, nine this year. Check him out on Twitter at Mark Zinno. Mark, this was awesome. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Will. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you again to Mark for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can check us out on YouTube. Uh, same name, Believe in Falcons. If you would prefer to watch our uh, conversation or have it on the TV in the background. I don't know how you guys do it, but I appreciate it either way. As for what is next, um, Ovi and I will be here bright and early Monday morning to recap the last Falcons game. What will it mean? Are the Falcons going to beat the Saints? And miraculously, is Carolina going to beat Tampa Bay and the Falcons sneak into the playoffs? If the Falcons lose that game. Or let's say Tampa Bay just takes care of business and it ultimately ends up being meaningless. Ovi and I will still be here and we will have a different conversation that probably looks a little bit more ahead to the future and we may set the table. So once we get through Sunday's show, we will be moving back to a once a week cadence and probably just going to stick to a Thursday show. And 
I'll figure out what we want to do kind of for the majority of the off season may dial back a little bit, um, take a break or two here or there as I usually do. It's the off season. I need to recharge, um, re-energize and find the creative juices again. But I would expect for at least a month after the season, kind of roll out some recapping, uh, types of shows. And then also, again, some table setters and looking ahead, priming free agency, the biggest needs, a draft episode or two, but it's going to be a big off season. Either way, quarterback is definitely on the table, needs to be the main course on the table. And anytime your team is one of the teams talking quarterbacks, it means you're going to be in the national media. It means you're going to get attention and it's a little bit of fun, you know, as much as a coaching search sucks as much as looking for the next quarterback kind of sucks. Like you don't want to be in that spot as a franchise. It does mean people are talking about you all off season and that can be fun. It's certainly going to be a lot of fun around here. So I hope you guys will stick around uh, for whatever the ride may be, but you can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for listening and watching today's show, which as always was presented by bet online. We will see you bright and early Monday morning to recap the Falcons season finale against their hated rival, the New Orleans Saints. But until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.